Welcome to the Jersey Podcast. I am joined by one David Shields. I was at SCG Pittsburgh last weekend. You were not. And I know what I did last weekend, but I want to hear about what you did because there are just random occasions where you're just like, oh, I won a legacy challenge or whatever. So I'm curious as to if any of that stuff happened. Uh, I did play a few challenges that I'm happy to talk about, but um, they were not necessary. I didn't win any of them. And um, yeah, I had Friday off from work, Veterans Day. That's a new one for us. So that was nice. Shout out to the veterans or whatever. Uh, I um, I spent virtually all of Friday sleeping. I think I slept like 16 hours, which is something I haven't done in a very long time and felt amazing. Daycare Six- was still, childcare was still available. We sent the kid away and I just got peace and quiet. Yeah, 16 is a lot. Yeah, and like, you know, this was like, you know, uh, a nine or 10 hours sleep through the night and then, you know, three or four different naps scattered throughout the day. Yeah. But just just slumlord, right? <laughs> the wife went for a haircut out of the house, got things done, and I just recharged, which was great. Still recovering from the daycare plague and all that. Um, and then Saturday, we did some chores. I, I, I snuck in some uh, a Pioneer Challenge on the side, a 5 p.m. Pioneer Challenge. I think that's what time it starts on Saturdays. Oh, right. This was the heroic thing. I've, yeah. I do vaguely remember this now. Yeah. And I like had this. So I've been like putting together uh, another, like I, I built a computer for my like little setup in my basement or my man cave or whatever. Um, got that like pieced together roughly. And got Magic Online installed in time for the challenge at 5 o'clock, but still had quite a few things to do. So I was looking for a deck that I could play that didn't, you know, occupy 40-minute rounds each time. So I, I played Red White Heroic. And? I had a blast. Um, I think I went 5-2 and two in that challenge. That ain't bad. And yeah, I won a bunch. And the, the round I lost was... The first round I lost... Um, was let's see i lost to the red white convoke in one round and i lost a round to what was it i dodged rakdos the entire tournament um i don't recall what my other loss to was at this moment but i left the match feeling like man if i had 10 round 10 matches played with this deck and not two i would have won that game fair um, there there was a brief period where i i did acquire a lot of the cards for that deck I, so I've always had a really soft spot for Heroic. I played that limited format quite a bit and played a bunch of aggressive Heroic decks. I played Heroic in that Block Pro Tour. Did not win a lot of matches, but um, I've had a weakness for it. Yeah, I, I played it in Standard when it was just a good Treasure Cruise deck. Yeah. And that was um, that was the main reason. Yeah, this deck is explosive. And in like the second round, I think it was, I killed my opponent on turn three. That's and good. And I just I dealt them an honest twenty damage, and I just couldn't believe it. It is so, possible. Probably doesn't happen very often, but you know. Yeah, listen, the double striker is strong, but um, pioneer still feels weird. Um, I played a bunch of rounds really quickly. I got a lot of chores done in between my rounds, so that was, I guess, a, a win from a personal perspective. Mission accomplished. Yeah, um, I got to play a, a, a bunch of magic and finish my chores. Um, but Pioneer still feels like I do my thing, you do your thing, and then we like show each other and see who wins. Yeah, not a fan. No, I and I, I left enjoying the deck and not loving the format. And given where I'm at, at least at a personal level, um, Atlanta's off the table for me at this point in the interest of 
family time and Denver in February. So I get to dodge Pioneer. You're not so lucky. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you're real disappointed about that, too. Yeah. Um, I would not weird. be. If I Pioneer from afar that. still like tricks me into thinking like it has a chance because there's still a lot of diversity in the format and a lot of different things going on. But every time I play more than 10 rounds of it, I leave not wanting to come back. Yeah, Pioneer is the great example. And like this is also true for modern as of like three years ago, where diversity does not necessarily lend itself to being a good format, right? It's like, okay, well, Pioneer is quote unquote diverse, but then you actually sit down and like get some reps with a bunch of different decks and you're like, all these games just kind of suck. Yeah. I'm going to soapbox for a second if I can on this. Please do. If a format sucks or it's not fun, you don't have to be able to rationalize it for it to be true. Well, yeah, I mean, I that is definitely true. Like people just like and dislike things for personal reasons, various reasons. And it's like they don't need to justify it. But like there, there's definitely a difference between saying I don't like this format or this format is objectively bad. That's fair. I do think that like. Uh, I'm a big fan of like the law of averages and when like a certain number of people all share a common opinion, even if it's not like super rationalized, like there's probably where there's smoke, there's some fire there. And like that can get a little slippery with misinformation and fake news and all that stuff. So let's like not go there for a second. Right. But if quite a few people or a high percentage of people don't enjoy Pioneer, but don't necessarily have, can't really explain why they don't like that's enough for me to like say that it's something should change right yeah um and i dislike a lot of the discourse that i've heard or seen recently about like if you can't explain why you don't like it that somehow makes the opinion less valid yeah i i get where that is coming from and i think most of the time i do kind of like err on that side of things but in terms of like we're, we're basically talking about some kind of like high level game design sort of concepts or whatever. And it's just like, not everyone has that knowledge base to be able to speak on, but it's just like, you can tell if you play the games and it's like, you know, did you have fun or not? And it's like, I, I clown on that stuff on arena when that thing pops up after the game, but it like, it clearly serves them some purpose, right? Yeah. It might be a data point or whatever. And I think if we like move my hypothesis or whatever, a little bit in the direction of modern, there's quite a bit of displeasure with modern, at least verbally at the moment. But if we like look at tournament attendance in a vacuum or whatever, like, and that's how I think people vote on the things they want to do or play. Like, I don't know, at least in my area, like attendance at the RCQs is pretty freaking high right now compared to what it was last season. Yeah. I mean, modern does at the very least a very good job of, oh, you you are like this type of person, you want to do this type of thing, well, like, we probably have the thing for you, you know? Like, I, I saw multiple people over the course of the weekend in Pittsburgh who are like, I am an amulet lifer, I'm an omnath lifer, I'm a hammer lifer, scam lifer, you know? Like, th those people just exist, they exist in droves, and that sort of identity is not as strong in Pioneer. Yeah, and maybe that, it, listen, it's less formed of a format or whatever, too. So, like, you could make some amount of argument there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I appreciate the tangent. And, like, I think that if you don't like something and you can explain it and rationalize it, that's awesome and that's great. It's something we should aspire to be able to do. But if, if you can't, it doesn't make the opinion any less valid. I agree. And the, the only thing that I would say is, 
be careful with your words in terms of like, oh, this is a bad format versus like, I do not enjoy this format. I think totally. that th those are both like pretty Im important things with a very clear distinction where if you're, you're just voicing your personal opinion, it's like people can't attack you for that, you know? Yep. 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 And like, maybe like, yeah, this is like a two-sided thing of like, we all need to choose our words more carefully and what we're describing and what we say and what we mean maybe are further separated than they should be. And then also like when people say it the right way, we need to not attack them for it. Agreed. So uh, cool. Fun tangent. And then Sunday we watched football and I had some friends over the house and we um we played some more magic online, another little bit of pioneer, and Snook came over and played Rakdos in the challenge, um, which was fun. And we got beat up by the usual suspects and you know when a nice solid five hundred record, which is exactly <laughs> what you'd expect. Yeah, it's the the Jund five oh. Yeah. Is going three and two or whatever in the league. So Yeah. But um, I think that's about enough pioneer for me personally for the next handful of weeks. Yep. Uh, um, I I bought some Lotus Field cards when I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Just in case. My Lotus Field adventures were have not been talked about or discussed on the podcast. They predated that. But man, if I want, if you want, it's one of the few decks I've ever played in Magic where I just didn't get it. <laughs> I just, I think I played like five leagues and I like, I don't think I won more than three matches total. And I just didn't understand what I was doing wrong or how it worked. And it was, damn, yeah. So that's my fun self-reflection admission or whatever. Maybe I'll revisit it, but. It did get easier now for whatever it's worth. Yeah. And like for whatever it's worth, when I was playing the games, I didn't feel like confused or like I wasn't sure what to do, but I just never won. Well, yeah. So clearly I was doing something wrong. I had a big enough sample size where that wasn't acceptable. But regardless, you got some Lotus Field cards. You were you spent the weekend playing a whole lot more magic than me. I did. Way, way too much. Entirely too much magic, one could say. So uh take a a train up to DC, get picked up by Josh Cho. He drives us to Pittsburgh. I hand him uh my scam deck and I play like Cascade Beans in, in the Friday thing. There's a, a 5K on Friday, a 10K Saturday, and a 5K on Sunday, all modern. This is like a marathon trek too, right? Like DC to Pittsburgh is not exactly a closer short drive. No, it's like four and a half. Oh, okay. I was thinking closer to eight, so I'm, I'm a little off, but not close, not far. Yeah. Uh, it was basically at the top of Josh's range. Got it. I think he said like five, five would be kind of his limit, which is completely understandable. And it's like technically breaking that for me if I, I've, if I were to have the same limit, but like, honestly, the train ride is, is so smooth and easy that I just don't even think it counts. Yeah, I would agree. Especially if like, you don't have obligations or you're not like dodging other things. Like it's relatively leisurely. Yeah. I'm just uh, playing games on my phone vibing. That's yeah. it. Yeah, six hours was always my limit. One tank of gas, right? But um, okay, cool. So, did you make that drive Friday morning before the tournament or Thursday night? No, we did it Thursday night, and then uh, was like looking into the events on the way there because I had uh, I had like pre-ordered some stuff, but then I I remembered kind of late in the game that like Stu Summers, who I had on the cast as like the bonus episode, was was local. And so I messaged him was like, Hey, you know, can I get some stuff from you? And I feel bad now. Cause I should have gotten like all the stuff from him, not just the, you know, stuff that I remembered after the fact or whatever, but either way, you know, 
bought bought like three hundred dollars worth of cards from him. Yeah, and if you're buying scam cards, that's even more props because then you're selling out the local area of scam stuff, which is good. Mm, I did get four Bowmasters from him, but they came from his personal collection. Whoa. Okay. And right. I was trying to figure out what time he was going to be there and whether or not it was going to be like early enough, you know, like before the event or whatever, because I didn't know if he was like playing, if he was just going to be like hanging out, trying to draft or what, you know. Uh, so into looking into this, I find out that the Friday thing starts at 1 p.m. I don't know how I feel about that. It kind of makes sense if you're like, oh, we'll give some time for the people who are semi-local to like drive in. Yeah, and you can take a morning flight. Right. Yeah. If that's a thing that people are trying to do or if judges or judges have to fly. Right. They can spend Thursday at work or with the fam or doing real life, whatever, and then fly in Friday morning and still make it in time. Yeah. So that was all very interesting. Uh, and I mean, they did the thing where the top eight is played the next day. So, you know, I, I don't think it's like too egregious to start an eight round Swiss tournament at one. It should be fine. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like one, that's that's completely fine. And like I was going through this as we were driving there and it was like, oh, we probably could have just like driven up the next day and like not had to spend on a hotel. And and Josh was like, no, nah, I'd rather just drive tonight and like be there and, you know, not not have to get up a little bit earlier than than he would want to and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. Like all, all of this works out fine for me, you know? Yeah. So, so Josh is scamming. Is he excited to be scamming? Well, <laughs> He and I both had the same thought over the course of the week where he was like, oh, I wonder if like I should get some practice games in or whatever. And then I was also wondering, like, oh, I wonder if like Joe wants to get any practice games in. And I just kind of like made the assumption that like my my moto account is always available for him to use or like the, the cards I can loan him, whatever, you know. And then he was thinking like, oh, I don't know if like Jerry has those cards or would want me to use them or whatever. If he, maybe he is using them and it's just like, no, I'm not. So like we could, we could have just very easily talked about it and like hung out a day or two on discord and like played or whatever. But instead we didn't. And then I guess he, he maybe like kind of regretted that after the fact, cause he was just like, I don't know, you know, some of this stuff is not super intuitive, but probably would have been kind of like your, heroic story where if you'd played like 10 matches instead of two, like this, this would have been easy, you know? Yeah, dude, like scams high octane. So I'm going to kind of skip ahead and say that it wasn't for me. Um, and I don't know, I guess it, it didn't feel that way for Josh either. It was mostly like we just got our asses kicked, but. Well, I guess when you're winning, it's high octane. I don't know. I mean, even like the games I lost, it, it did felt like feel like that on when I was playing it earlier on Moto. But okay, in real life was different. Anyway, so Josh is scamming. I'm playing Beans. Uh, when when like I think round one and round two, round three, play against Hammer. Game one, get my Beans spell pierced, and then basically just don't have like any card advantagey follow up, which is the point where I should bring up that I could not find a fourth ardent plea. So I did not actually have like the full 12 beans. So we and, got 11 beans. And I, it was just one of those things where it's like, I know I have these somewhere. I found three of them. I couldn't think of where to look for the last one. 
and went around to like all the vendors once I realized I only had three. Uh, but at that point, it, was, it would have been like Friday morning and like Stu had already gone to his store and grabbed the stuff or whatever, you know. So it's like I, I basically had no outs except for like the vendors who were on site and they just didn't have them for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. My first reaction is that that's not necessarily a total disaster. Like if you told me 11 beanstalks was the right number in that deck, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, it's it's worse, and I think it is especially worse in the version that I'm playing where I'm doing the the Jace thing where I'm actively trying to deck myself. Like, I'm that actively totally trying to fair. put all of the beans into play, right? Yeah. And to that extent, I, I just want as many as possible. And playing with one fewer uh, definitely felt bad. It felt pretty bad. So uh, I lose this game where... Uh, I get hit with a hammered creature at one point and I'm at very low life and then I'm able to remove that but we're both kind of in top deck mode where I'm like hard casting set adrift like you know six mana set adrift and like hard casting murderous cut and stuff like that I just have nothing going on and then my opponent eventually finds some like one power shit bags to kill me with or whatever demoralizing and then uh game two i I think we only played two games but whatever like the game in the match that i lost uh that caused me to lose the match was my opponent just like kind of having the nuts it was just like pressure plus threatening combo plus like on the final turn having like a teferi to like force my hands into whatever like surge or spell pierce thing that he had already too. Yeah. So just, just kind of got my ass kicked. And then uh, round four played against another beans player, but this person, uh, this person was on the blood braid elf version. And I think game one. Uh, oh yeah. I remember game one. God. So opponent won the die roll. So they got to ice me on, on two, which meant that I couldn't cast a bean. And then they played Teferi, so, which meant I couldn't cascade into a bean. And I played a Teferi and went like tick up, tick up. Uh, for a little bit, they had like, I think, I think I ticked up. They immediately binding it. And then on their turn five, they bounced their binding, put my Teferi back in it for hard cast Fury, drew a card off bean. And then also had like a binding in their hand. Clean. Yeah, like and my, my opponent was like playing fast, playing clean, playing good, right? And so I untap with just comical nonsense in my hand. Like, you know, no no board, not a whole lot of relevant stuff going on. I was like, is your hand good? He immediately said yes, and I just conceded. <laughs> I, I was like, we, we, yeah, we got to have, you know, time as a consideration, right? Yeah, playing three games in the mirror is not really possible if given normal draws and circumstances. Yeah, so game two goes kind of as plans. My opponent tries to do their thing, and I'm, like, commandeering, taking their beans, and, like, force negationing and stuff, and eventually, like, time warp, and he's just like, yeah, that's good, that's good. I, you know, tap out. And then game three, I have some of that going on, um, but it's, like, I'm, I'm, like, light on beans. I think I have, like, one or whatever. And never have a spot where 
I'm like definitely up on like permission or like resources or anything. So I have to like pick and choose like very carefully what things I'm like trying to commandeer or encounter or whatever. And at some point pretty early on in game three, I basically cycle a murderous cut on a shardless agent just to like draw a card and maybe like convert this into a blue card or whatever. And then my opponent uh, jams Elishnorn at some point, which I don't have a clean answer to, but I have like two Teferis, two Set of Drifts in my deck, you know. Um, but that combined with a Bloodbraid Elf just is like putting kind of a clock on me too. It doesn't give me a whole lot of time. And the stuff that I did try to do in response, like any attempt at like playing blockers or whatever, like that stuff was dealt with pretty easily. And eventually I just like got nickel and dimed out. Yeah, Ellis Nord is not an easy card to beat. Like, it's it's not. Like, it does do stuff, but, like, again, the way the deck is set up, it's like you don't necessarily need the ETBs. Like, I am siding out a lot of the stuff that does ETB triggers. It's just, like, if I have multiple beans in play, it doesn't really matter. I'm just, like, casting my spells and getting the value off them that way. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I had I think I had like one solitude, two omnaths in my deck, and then it was like the beans, ETB triggers, and the bindings. Which like obviously, you know, binding is a thing, but again, like if I have a bunch of beans in play and I'm just casting binding for ancestral or whatever, that's kind of what I want to be doing anyway. It doesn't really matter if it removes something or not. Yeah, it's a big body. It lets them double up too, right? There's just a lot of incremental stuff where it taxes things in a weird way. It reminds me a little bit of Shieldred in that, like, some games it just, like, doesn't really do anything. In other games, it's just, like, completely and totally unbeatable. Yeah, in this game specifically, it was, like, a 4-7. And that yeah. was kind of it. Which is, you know, a problem or can be, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. And I don't know. Like, probably probably should not have cut the shard list. Like, it, it was attacking me. Uh, but maybe could have just been more patient and perhaps like been able to beat any combination of cards from my opponent. I don't know. Yeah. Or we could be here talking about how you didn't cast the cut and then you were a blue card short for commandeer on a turn, two turns later. Yeah, and... exactly. Like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's all pretty weird. So like, yeah, lost a, lost a hammer, got eliminated by a mirror match. And then uh Cho was like three and two or something and so we we just dipped and while this is going on you know i got my little twitter thread going i'm i'm making tweets whatever and it's x no it's not it's twitter okay and you know i'm talking about how i'm like playing this blue version because i don't want to spend two hundred dollars to buy four more furies when i already own four and then all these people come out of the woodwork like, yo, you should just ask me. I have four Furies or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, it's not really the point. You know, like I'm not I'm not trying to do stuff like how I used to do it back in the day where it's like I show up to an open with like 30 cards to a cobbler deck and try and cobble it together, you know, and then like have to remember who all my cards go to at the end of an event. And it's just it's just annoying. I don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah, I'm not saying I would never do it, but the cost is significant. Yeah. So then... uh garrison who is uh a judge who i I believe lives in tennessee he's like close ish to mason clark but uh maybe not like same town or whatever is just like i i have scam you know i have scam i was like that is that is correct okay uh 
So I, I make up a list and I send it over to him. I'm like, what are you missing? And he was like, I'm, I'm missing the, the bullshit cards that you added. Basically. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say it like that, but, you know, it was basically what it was. So I was like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll take what you got and I'll see if I can source the rest and did that. So then it was like, all right, me and show both playing scam. Wait, is show playing your bullshit cards too? Well, the the Friday tournament was like a, a pretty normal scam deck. Okay. And then when it came time to me building my scam deck, like the one that I wanted to play, I wanted to play some bullshit cards. I wanted to try some stuff. And so one of my issues with the deck was just like kind of generically running out of gas a little bit. So I was like, I want to play like at least one season Pyromancer on top of the fables, but you know, maybe, maybe like two pyros, three fables is better. Like I, I think that pyro is still just like very good and there are bowmaster concerns certainly, but there are bowmaster concerns with a lot of cards in your deck, such as Ragavan, your own bowmasters, your, your own fable, you know? And I think people have just, the, the thing that people said to me was just like, Oh, like, isn't like, you know, bowmaster too much or whatever. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like you already have to like play around this card and like kill this card and be careful about it. Like it doesn't change anything really. Yeah. I'm not all in on the not playing four, four fable, but the Bowmaster angle is not necessarily where I would jump to. So, uh, play three fable two pyro. Uh, my initial theory with the list that I gave show on Friday was like, if people are playing like a bunch of a bunch of beans and a bunch of scam, then occasionally you see like one shieldred main or whatever. But I was like, you know, just play like the second shieldred and a third terminate so that you have more ways to peel out of getting scammed. And at that point, the games tend to go on like a little bit longer, etc. And at this point, the deck was four fable, no pyros, right? Sure. You know, fable plays better with shieldred. Pyro plays better with lower mana curve. And uh, Shieldred mostly just like sucked for him. It was just like a, a thing that like four mana was too much or the games were like a little bit too fast or whatever. And it was like, okay, like that's that's the flip side of the coin is like there's just a lot of hammer and things along those lines in the field where Shieldred is just not really where you want to be. And then at the point where I was adding Pyros to my deck, I was like, well, I'm fine just like cutting Shieldred entirely and trying to you know, beat up on those matches with uh, just like spot removal and, and card drawing, you know, it seems like a better way to play out of getting scammed than, than hoping that you get to four mana unscathed. Yeah. Just cheaper curve. Makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, pyros. And then the one weirdo card in the board was a feed the swarm. Do you know this card? Nope. One B sorcery. Destroy target creature or enchantment. Uh, I think it's in opponent controls. You lose life equal to the mana value. Oh, somewhat familiar. But black shouldn't be allowed to kill enchantments, but I'm confused a little bit on that spot. But okay, what's the logic? It's it's already, it's been able to kill enchantments for like the last three years. Yeah, it's not, it shouldn't just, though. It just feels wrong. Just at a cost. Red can kill artifacts. Black gets to kill enchantments. They, like black doesn't get to do it very well though. Fair. I don't know if I'm fair. I'm not conceding that point, but a different time. 
If I want to kill a binding, I got to take six. That's a cost, right? Yeah, that is a cost. Are we are we trying to kill beans with this or what's our what's our angle? Saga. Saga. Oh, yeah. Don't take any for that. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, that's sinkhole. I'm pretty sure that, that's sinkhole. That's yeah, sinkhole or a loophole, if you will, yeah. in terms of in terms of the cost. So I was <laughs> like, you know, look, if I'm gonna play uh, a removal spell in my sideboard, like just a generic removal spell, and I'm gonna want to board it in against stuff like hammer and scales or whatever. Like, it better not just be a thing that's like, oh, I only kill giver of runes or I only kill like, you know ballista and get domed for a bunch or like kill a hanger back walker and you make a bunch of tokens like that seems silly like let me let me get something that has a little bit of added utility especially if you just draw a pile of spot removal they can potentially get around that a bunch of different ways and saga is certainly one of those ways saga is one of the best cards against you and and we like this angle better than like the new dread boar molten collapse or whatever it's called i already had one of those but collapse collapse does not kill saga doesn't kill Saga, but sure, it's good against this, a lot of the Saga decks, right? Yes. Yeah, it just doesn't deal with Saga directly. Yeah, you can hypothetically, right, kill... Oh, it's non-creature, permanent, one or less. Okay, so you could kill one of the constructs and then something else. Yeah, and then maybe whatever, like, Shadow Spear they got off it, or Cigar Disade, or whatever, but... Yeah, they're still getting a good amount of value, and you're not winning, like, it's, it's nowhere close to the same level of trading up. Correct. Yeah. All right. So I, my my feed the swarm killed I think three years of sagas over geez. the course of the day. I'm I'm surprised you even played against that many years of sagas. I I played against Hammer I think five times in the three days, and I did not stick around for very long in either tournament. So either I just like queued into a bunch of Hammer, or there was a lot of Hammer there. It sounds like both. Yeah, potentially both. So. Uh, my, my day two, scamming it up. Uh, I don't remember my wins, but I remember my losses and I lost to uh, a player on Omnath who was playing beans, but no ring, no cascade. Expressive iteration. No, nothing of the sort. Interesting. So, uh, he, he just kind of like tore me apart. Like I, I was like maybe kind of competitive in the games. Like I was like doing stuff, but then the games just get to a point where like I stop taking game actions. I stop using my mana, you know? And at that point, like you, you just end up dying. Yeah. The scam deck can flutter up, right? Not dying against scam is like a pretty good way to beat it. Yeah. There, there was a brief moment in game two that I thought was kind of cool where I kind of like maneuvered the game to a point where their best play was to cast Omnath. I had Molten Collapse for the Omnath. And then I had uh, I had a flipped Fable, so the Reflection. And then I had a creature left over, and I'm forgetting what the creature was. I want to say it was a Grief. Like, maybe I hard cast Grief the turn before or something. And then my Fable was about to transform. And so, yeah, I took Solitude left them with like Omnath, Fire Ice, Besaju, and they had a, a bean in play. Okay. I think is how this went. So then they cast Omnath, I untap, Fable flips, I Molten Collapse the thing, I attack with Grief, and my thought was that if they like go to Besaju or Fire my thing, it is good for me because I have like an undying effect. 
And maybe I had two undying effects, something like that. Uh, and then they untapped. Uh, so the bean was in their hand, I guess. So they cast the bean. And then I was like, that's still fine. That's still good because I still have this thing up and they only have two mana. And then they evoked a fury to go two and two to my stuff, still having the, the, the kill spells open. And I was just like, God. I thought it was a solitude incoming, but Fury's worse. Yeah, it was actually worse. And uh, looking at the deck list later, they only had two Furies, but they also had two Eladomri's calls. So, still, that doesn't. that was that was the point where I was like, "Oh, this game is close," and then it just immediately went to being not close. <laughs> yeah, but it, my my opponent played very good. Uh, it they. I, it's got, I feel this way about all the Omnath decks is like when they beat you, their deck looks so good, right? Yeah. They just always make it look so good, so easy, so clean. Yeah. I'll say like to my experience, and obviously I wasn't there this weekend, but my experience at these Star Cities is like there's still a healthy amount of like strong players at these things. Um, wide range for sure, but like, you know, good clean games of Magic are to be had. and Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the person who knocked me out on Friday, I eventually found like their, their Twitter account and in, in their profile, it said like, you know, GP, whatever finalist GP, whatever winner in like 2019, 2020, I was like, yeah, you know, this guy can game. Like I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, not surprising to hear after the experience you had. There's something for like, I don't know, I have a weird appreciation for people that just like manipulate their cards really clean and well. Yeah. Right? Honestly, like, honestly, man, kind of a dying art. Yeah. Yeah. And like, listen, don't get me wrong. There's like a healthy amount of like really good players who have played an insane amount of paper magic that like shuffle on a level that I find criminal. Raptor. Raptor is the first person that comes to mind. <laughs> he does it on purpose for whatever that's worth, or at least that's what he tells himself and tells us. Yeah, sure. But he looks like, you know, my three-year-old trying to shuffle a deck of cards for the first time. Yeah. Um, but I will say people that, yeah, uh, draw, shuffle, tap, clean, fast. I, I have like a weird appreciation for that. And I find that that stuff is like, I'm not going to say directly correlated, but is more frequently than not associated with strong play as well agreed and yeah i could just tell after like the the first three turns where he was like shortcutting in the right way it was like go i start untapping he's immediately like upkeep i'm gonna fetch this ice your land or whatever yeah. and like the ice is on the table while he's searching his deck right and i'm yeah, just it's like, like not his first rodeo yeah i'm just like this guy rules i love this guy yeah and that's the type of stuff that like a few matches with a deck and just like a little bit of thinking from somebody who's more experienced gets you right. Is yeah. like, when are you able to shortcut without giving anything away? And when do you need to be like very deliberate about the sequencing? Yep. Uh, so I'm four and one at some point scamming people. Uh, I do remember for the first two rounds, I did not play an undying creature or I, I did not undying uh, an evoke creature. No scam effects. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then turn three, I just like kind of had the nuts and that felt great. And it was, it was like pretty easy for the most part. Uh, and then I, I think for the rest of the day, it was 
more in line with like the averages. It was like, you know, I was, I was doing it in like one or two of the games, but like definitely not all of them or whatever. And it, it felt about normal about what was expected. And matches were all like pretty tough or whatever, but was like still doing pretty good. And then I uh, just like lost to another Hammer player who I, I think I'd beaten Hammer in the round before also, where in game two and three, they played turn two Sanctifier. And then I had to fight through that. That's which I was fun. Able, yeah, which I was able to do. And then in this other round, uh, I fought through it in game two, but then uh, lost eventually in game three. And that that kind of stuck out to me as like, this is certainly a problem that needs addressing. The Sanctifier? Yeah, because at that point, I basically played like, you know, four post-board games in a row against it where my only real thing was like very, very slow engineered explosives where like even in the second match, my opponent like blind needled engineered explosives. Yeah. And then like Bone Crusher Giant and trying to make that happen where in, I would say, at least half of the games, at least for a while, like, I didn't even have, like, creatures in play. Like, combat was, like, not happening, you know? Yeah, and even though we're 3-1 and one in games against it at this point, you can still get a feel for, like, how likely that is to happen. Yeah, I mean, I was I was able to beat it some of the time, right? But, like, it's still clearly a problem, clearly an issue. Yeah. So, uh, at that point, I was knocked out, and then was like, you know what? There's only three more rounds. I'm going to stay in. I'm going to sing for my supper. I'm going to get my 250 bucks for top 16 or whatever. And then I just promptly got smushed again. Brutal. So I was like, all right, we're, we're leaving. And I think, I think Cho was like, you know, three and two again. And go back to the room kind of early now, right? Because we got, we had like a few rounds left in the day so it was just like hanging out order some food just chilling uh playing some fruit game every once in a while but mostly like i'm in my notebook i have some ideas after playing a bunch of games and like talking to josh about his games and stuff and i have three ish kind of wild ideas i would say this branches off into like four and five different ideas but like three main ones. Well, I'm intrigued now because I was exposed to some of these, but not all of these. Yeah. So my experience on Saturday, like the main thing outside of like the little things that came up was that like Dothy Voidwalker was just very, very bad for me. Interesting. Not something I was expecting to hear. Continue. And there are, there are matchups certainly where it is quite good. You know, Living End, Tron, Amulet, uh, anything where that card goes from just what it is on its face, like a 3-2 beater, into definitely, you know, punching up. It's just like, oh, you're getting like a six-mana card off this thing, or like the Graveyard Hate is actually shutting someone down or whatever. And, yeah, Graveyard Matters or things that are ramping. Big mana. Yeah. And so just over the course of the day, it was like very often the the worst card in, in all of the games that I played, and like certainly there were some matchups where I was like siding it out and everything, but 
it was just always like, wow, if, if this was like a different card in my opener or whatever, like maybe this opener would be good. But no, it's just like a silly Dothy that I know is probably not going to accomplish much. So like, am I supposed to like keep or, or ship these hands? Like, I don't know. It was, yeah. you know, something something supremely fair, like Thoughtseize, Bowmaster, Dothy, Fable, Agadim's Awakening, Blackleaf Cliffs, Fetchland on the draw in an unknown matchup in game one. Yeah, my understanding. Yeah, I don't think those hands are keepable personally, but yeah, and it's it's weird, right? It's like so. What what are the range of hands that are keepable? It is exclusively grief scam, but like Ragavan on the play. But then does Ragavan on the draw count? It's hard. I, I think there's like a range of hands that are like pretty reasonable or respectable in things like the mirror. And the mirror is probably popular enough at this point, and mulliganing in the mirror is probably pretty bad enough. Where like you know, some combination of Ragavan, Thoughtseize, early plays, or whatever, where you don't actually have the the, the full scam are acceptable. Well, I've Thoughtseize, Bowmaster, Fable. Is that yeah. not good enough? That's true. That's true. That is that is true. And like on the play, maybe that changes. Maybe that is acceptable. I don't know. But like you, you played against Hammer. What did you say five times? In three tournaments, yeah. Yeah, but Doth, that that's probably the matchup where, like, Dothy's at its absolute worst, right? Well, and Bowmaster is not all that good either in, in many instances. Like, game one, you can get an Esper Sentinel, right? But Yeah, at that point, that deck's adapted its, it, its list to the point where it's, like, not getting rinsed by that card. Right. So... And then Fable on the draw when you haven't been interacting with them is also generally going to be too slow also. Yeah. And there's, like, probably some merit to, like, hands like this that are, like, pretty reasonable, that are, like, a card away from scamming, that are maybe missing a piece. So at least, like, if you don't scam them on turn one, you can use an elemental to catch back up and trade cards in for that. Or if you draw a scam piece later, you can cash it in. Yeah. And, like, right, these hands don't actually have that opportunity for that ceiling. Yep. But I don't know. This is like the, the. I think this is what this is why playing matches with a stack is important, right? And I, I think while everybody complains about the 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 existence of this deck, like everybody also acknowledges like the difference between your average scam player and the best scam players is like pretty noticeable. Yeah. And I think it's so, because of things things like this. So I was erring on the side of like these these hands are like are things that you probably should not keep. And so I would like mulligan something like that. And then if if I had like a similar hand, but it did have like an undying and a pitchable card, like say you just straight up replace like the Dothy with a not dead or something like I'm I'm keeping that as like a little bit of speculation. Um, yeah, but- you have stuff to do on turn one and two, even though it's not ideal. And you have, you know, eight top decks in your deck that lead to like really powerful things. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't know. Basically, like in in all of those instances, the the Dothy never really functions unless you know the matchup. It never really functions as a card that appears in your opening hand where it makes you lean towards keeping it, right? It's always a thing that exists in those bad hands. Yeah. And like bad draws also. So yeah. I was I was like, look, is it is it out of pocket to suggest that we cut this card from the deck? Because what what I basically want is something that contributes to the chip damage nature of the deck, like something that does actively provide pressure 
But even like before the deck I had Bowmaster, they had Dothy and and nothing else. And so I am not very confident that you could do anything to just like straight up replace Dothy as like a two mana card, but it would be something different. So another thing that I kind of want to look into was expressive iteration in the deck, either just like splashing it outright or uh, perhaps alongside something like playing Death Shadow. And the Shadow stuff was like kind of silly to me a little bit ago because Dothy was good enough against a portion of the metagame that it it felt like it earned its slot. And I think that at least for that weekend in Pittsburgh, it had kind of like that time had passed, you know, like maybe that's different on Moto or that'll be different at like your local RCQ or whatever. But at least for like what I'd seen so far that weekend, I was just like, I don't want Dothy anywhere near it. So maybe now is like the time to Death Shadow. And in terms of like doing your your scammy thing a little bit more consistently, it's like it doesn't have to be on turn one every game, especially in the context of Fury, right? Yeah, turns two and three are are totally acceptable in some matchups. Yes, and I was also having some like weird experiences with my my Fury scams, and also from talking to various people over the weekend who were also scamming. I I think that. People are just at a point now where if you if you have Fury Scam, unless you know the matchup, like people are just not doing it in the dark. Interesting. My instinct, if I listen, and I don't have a ton of matches played with Scam personally, but like I can't imagine not doing it. I told Josh on the way up that he should do it. Yeah. And my instinct would be to. I I did it. In the two or three times I had it available for me in the in the Saturday tournament, the first time was on the play. We had both mold to six in game one. And I go, Fury, I go to scam, and my opponent force negations it. So that didn't feel good. No. And then... And you're down. That's basically a two for one, right? Effectively, yeah. Three for two. Yeah. Uh... Then the other time, it, I think, like, pretty easily just got dealt with or, like, chump blocked and then dealt with. And then maybe one of the times I, I won with it, but it was, like, close and certainly would have been better if I just waited to, like, kill all their creatures, you know? Yeah. But those are, all, because- those are all in instances where I didn't know the matchup. And then I did it once specifically against Tron where it was kind of cool, where I had, <laughs> I got to grief them first and then Fury scam. So like if for whatever reason I wanted to scam the grief, I also could have done that. Oh, that's clever and powerful, obviously. Yeah. And it sounds way easier. Um, my experience going back with creativity against scam, which is a matchup I've played a stupid amount, is I lost to turn one Fury scam way more than I lost to turn one grief scam. Yeah. And creativity is one of the matchups where I, I think, you know, you treat them like a combo deck. Like you do want to fury scam them. Yeah. Tron, and it's Tron Amulet, same thing. Yeah. Like I do have bindings, right. As a, as a way to answer it. Right. But like it puts, if I don't have binding, I just basically die. Still taking eight also. Yeah. And yeah. Assuming they're on the play or whatever. Sure. Right. And I guess if they're still in the dark about the matchup, that's fine too. It's just, I remember surprising a lot of people talking about this of like, I was more afraid of fury than grief playing that matchup. Yeah. And like my deck was relatively like 
uh, resilient to grief just because of how much redundancy we had or whatever, but it might, might be a unique thing. Um, I'm, I'm into your hypothesis here on uh, whether or not Dothy's actually good. Um, I have the top eight of the 10K. You want to do a little t- eight top eight, which one's Dothy good against? Yeah, let's do it. So Scam, Yawgmoth, Hammer are the, t- are the top three decks that went eight one. Okay, so Hammer, certainly not. Yog absolutely. Uh, Scam, Mirror, it's like a card you keep in, but is not a thing that I would give like a plus or minus to anyone for, for having it in their deck. I agree. One four, one against, one push. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, we'll do three in a row against Scam, Rhinos, Scam. So we know the two Scams are pushes. Rhinos is actively good, but yeah. certainly certainly has issues. Yeah, I would say it's like it's good, but it's not like a home run, right? Like it's it's not like good like it is against Living End or whatever, where it's like a cyborg power level card. Yeah. Also, they just have a lot of shocks. Yeah, they have a lot of shocks, and like yo, the ceiling for it is you get to cast your own rhinos, which is fantastic. But it's not like it just like shuts down their deck. It's not like what it is against Tron or Living End, where it's like an ace. Yes, agreed. Um, and then Jeskai Control, Amulet, Titan, Yogmoth. I know that's more than eight, but I took all the X ones are better. Okay. Uh, Jeskai Control was just like Solitude, Narset, uh, maybe Days Undoing or something. It's a Kahira for sol- for subtlety for Solitude for Narset. Yeah, Days Undoing. Yeah. Okay. But like, uh, let's just pretend it's generic Jeskai. We don't even know exactly which version, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it is exactly okay there. Like, those matchups are weird. Like, I, I could talk about those matchups for a while, too. But I, I think you are going to be able to convert it into a thing that is higher mana value than it. But those things are definitely not as effective against your opponent as they are against you. So it's like, oh, you get like a a solitude or or even like a binding off it or a three mana planeswalker or whatever it's like you, you yeah. having a narset is not that great no know? it's not and like i don't know you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that like when the ceiling for it is you get to cast a spell that's like a little bit more mana than this but the floor for it is like it trades with a fire ice for a lightning bolt or a ley line binding like those just aren't places where i really want this card right it might be yeah. acceptable but yeah so i would say it is not good there and then uh, Amulet, yes, but requires some work. Like, uh, I had a discussion with Josh about whether or not he should, like, hold his thoughtsies, and it's basically, like, if you are on the play, yes. And you know you're against Amulet and have a Dothy. But, like, on the draw, you can't do that. Yeah, it's weird because on the play, you get to be able to hit an Amulet. So I'm not even 100. Like, my first reaction is not to cast it. But, again, I've thought about this for 12 seconds. Well, I, I think getting getting their Titan is is kind of whatever. Uh, like it, it is obviously good, but it's again, it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you have their Titan, which is a six six, so it's it is bigger than your three two, which is good, and then you get the lands off of, but you can't do anything cool with the lands really. Like I guess you can start hard casting Furies or whatever, but well, if you uh, have a castle, you can. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a castle. I thought about it though. I'm not surprised. I thought about it. I I yelled at uh, Corey for playing Takanuma. I was like, "Dude, just play castle instead." 
Yeah, the Takanuma is unacceptable. The castle, I think, is defensible, but maybe not where I would be personally. Yeah. Uh, my but, point is like, yo, I'm looking at this top eight, and I don't think you're nearly as crazy as my first reaction. But I, but I think getting the ring from them is like actively good. Oh yeah, against Amulet. So like, I think that's a good reason to wait. Uh, yeah. Even even more so than like tagging their Amulet on one. Yeah. So I had a few of the boys over for football and games on Sunday, and I've been goldfishing Tron at my desk for a while. Okay. And you know, Smith brought a scam deck, so those are the only two decks we had. So we played we played a, a bunch of games on the coffee table with the football game on or whatever the kitchen table, and uh, I, we casted a bunch of rings with from the scam side, just like on that note. And we killed the scam player a few times because they once once rings in play and they draw a few cards, they don't really have a way to uh, get rid nah, of it. Nah, right? So I, I I had a few games where like yo, that was just my win condition from the Tron side. Um, surprisingly like fine matchup to play, whatever for two decks that just kind of do whatever. Um, but would only recommend with, you know, kids running around and football on in the background. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe not the most like peak fun that the two people can have, but no, well, it's interesting because you sit there and you solve the puzzle for the turn and then you can just like walk away or like, you know, get distracted a little bit. Right. And there's not like a ton of back and forth. Yeah. You know, like if you're like playing interaction or there's some gamesmanship around like who has what and you're like playing around things like it's not as much of that as much as just like min maxing your resources. Agreed. Yeah, there's the occasional dismember or stone or whatever, but that's about it. Yeah. And you can usually figure out if they have that pretty quick because like they're going to do it now or they, if they didn't do it, it's because they don't have it. Cause right. It, it was clearly better to do than whatever they did. Yeah. Uh, so, so so yeah. I was like, all right, if we got Dothy. What? Now what? what does that leave available to us? Because now we are not priced into the BB portion of the mana base. And the main thing it did for me was uh, certainly open up Season Pyromancer as a viable option. Because now you can just do Black Red Duel Mountain Swamp off your fetches. Yep. And to that end the necessity for things like Black Cleave Cliffs compared to like a pathway, for example, is also much lessened. Makes sense. So I love I love Black Cleave Cliffs. Just straight up. I I love that that card specifically, but also those lands in general. But I fully recognize when there is a deck that kind of wants that early dual land but also just has a bunch of like four and five mana cards which scam doesn't really but there are certainly moments where you want to hard cast your grief hard cast your fury whatever and drawing a black leaf cliffs is just the nightmare scenario right yeah so i was like i'm gonna do a little experimentation you know i'm gonna try some stuff out i'm gonna play one pathway instead of a black leaf cliffs now i have two two cliffs one pathway Gonna play the basic mountain, which in theory should make me better against burn. And then uh thinking about my hammer matchups and like what would help me and uh, you know, ways to deal with sanctifier, but also just having uh a cleaner sideboard plan against them that wasn't like a pile of explosive type of stuff or like Hidetsugo consumes all things where it's like 
these are just generic catch-alls because it's a thing you can boarding is like rhinos and scales and hammer and like hopefully this is like good enough or whatever i was looking for something like a little bit more targeted you know so i was like let's do the the wear tear splash thing i'm kind of excited to try this wait after all the crap you gave me about that two weeks ago uh yeah all right i'm just pointing it out moving on no i mean honestly like if if you think you are going to play against hammer a bunch and you have the same problems i did with like just the sideboard not feeling it feels like you're boarding in a bunch of cards against them but they're not cards that you would want if you're boarding specifically for hammer you know what i mean yeah I was just like, okay, that makes sense. But like, I, I didn't even, even until like Saturday had happened, I was like, how the hell did I play against Hammer four times? It's just like, oh, there's just like a lot here. But like, I did not think that that was the case. I didn't think that Hammer was that popular. That has been a consistent theme for us at these Star Cities. So like mental note to self, the next time we're at one of these, like don't underestimate Hammer. And I, I generally don't where I, I tend to overly respect the linear decks, the the lowest common denominator kind of thing, where like my Copley decks were always packing stuff for like mono red aggro, even if it was like not popular or whatever. It was like I, I try and beat everyone. And it seemed like the scam decks before kind of had that where it's like, oh, I have like two explosives and a Hidetsugo thing. Like, surely this is good enough, but it's not good enough. That's the thing. Yeah, you, you need a couple of them or whatever. Like, the explosives for me, like, historically out of other decks have been, like, absurdly good against Hammer. But, like, I would that's, like, the type of stuff. Like, they're good at playing around at this point. Like, they know what to do. Like, they're blindly pitting, needling it, right? Like, Yeah, they know it's there. And, and it's so, expected and all that, yeah. And so, in addition to this, I also had a... Uh, I don't know if I actually got a Filigree Silex, but I wanted I wanted that one. I might have had a ratchet bomb. I don't remember what. I guess I could check my deck box at some point. But I mean, I would assume those two things in this context are identical. Effectively, yes. What do you mean effectively? What are you? Are we going to get ten counters on this sucker? Well, it, it's theoretically possible to get ten counters on it, but also like one is legendary and one is not, and I'm not sure if that affects things positively or negatively. Yeah, that's a stretch. We're going to say they're effectively the same. Yeah. And like Mono Green, listen, we're like, it's actually a win condition. I buy the yes. how much better Silex is, but that is not the situation here. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, then in order to respect Sanctifier a little bit more, and now that I had Saga like wildly covered with three wear and tears, I was like, I can play a Shieldred's Edict instead of the Feed the Swarm which is another reasonable removal spell to bring in against like scam mirrors, for example, where uh, it's a thing that can actually kill like a scam thing. Like you can peel out of it. This stuff is making so much more sense than the like four text message conversation we had about this three days ago. Okay. Uh, and, and I mean, I more mean like the evolutions in your logic of like where we started and how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah dude, I have, I have reasons for the things that I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Might be a brainworm still. Right. But. Well, either way, I was like, I'm just going to like try some stuff and see what works. So I, I decided I wanted to try for Pyromancer. This coincided with me playing mirror match games and like the the Robin Victor sideboard plan was like on the draw, take out all the Ragavans and on the play, take out all the Thought Seizes. And after playing a decent amount of games at this point, there's no way in hell I want to cut all the Thought Seizes on the play. 
And I was talking to Josh about this. And one of the things that I kind of likened it to is that even in, in like old, old Jun mirrors, the consensus was like, cut your thoughts and inquisitions, board in six cards, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And I never, I never did that. I didn't like doing that because there were things in the mirror, especially like in the post board games when they're bringing like Huntmaster or Olivia or whatever, where it, it is way more than like, oh, this just trades one for one and is a bad top deck. Where like now you have things that are actually highly volatile in the mirror match. So yeah, in addition cards to the, that are huge impact, it's not just a bunch of the same things. Yeah. In addition to the four drops, it's like if if you play a Tarmogoyf on turn two and it gets eaten by Liliana, it's like you just lose the game on the spot. I'm with you. So I didn't I didn't like cutting all my discard. And I, I certainly remember moments where like I would top deck it on turn 10 in a mirror or whatever and be like, this sucks, but it was just the cost of doing business. And there were so many games where you get to see that either the coast is clear or it is now that you take their Liliana or you snipe their post board card or whatever, where it's just like, this feels good to me. And then I played these matches of the scam mirror where it's just like okay i have my reg van and it hits them once and then i get bowmaster and there's just like no way to stop it yeah i honestly like cutting the thoughts on the play too for this exact reason feels weird to me of like you can interact with their scam draws when you do that right so again yeah, i'm not an expert or anything but on the surface this is something i would be skeptical of yeah i'm fine like Maybe shaving one and like cutting uh, like a couple ragavans either way or whatever, but like just taking them all out does not seem right to me at all. Yeah, it, it, I will say in general, like with a lot of these things, I'm I'm relatively skeptical of things that are pretty extreme like this. Right? Yeah, so we're, we're like all all of them on the play, and like it's no questions asked. You just do it. Yeah, and like I think in matchups where like the games tend to last a lot longer, maybe that can be somewhat reasonable. But I don't know. I, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to ever be that extreme, but I, I I'm certainly skeptical when I see something like that. Yeah. So, uh, given my new plan of trying to keep in thought seizes, I now have more ways to protect against Bowmaster with my Pyromancers. So I was like, I'm just gonna try all four. And then to that end, also, I played a Shatter Skull Smashing because, again, we're not locked into having a bunch of a black mana, so I can afford to do this. And then I have, like, more things that are pitchable, but also, like, another potential, like, spell to discard to Pyro and make a token when it would otherwise be, like, a land. And also, just, like, casting that thing is fine in a lot of longer games. And you have, yeah. like, treasures and stuff, too, you know? Yeah, I would expect to cast it once or twice in a longer tournament, for sure. So... All of this, all this kind of like played out pretty well, honestly. Like I, I didn't miss miss Dothy specifically. I did kind of miss the pressure, uh, but now I had four Pyro, two Fable, so I had like more ways to sift, and I feel like I just drew those not a large percentage of the time. I certainly didn't draw Pyro very often, um, but. Like the the smashing got pitched. It was a land. Uh, the pathway was a very good land, and in the match that knocked me out of the tournament, I had a fury and four mana. And on the turn where it probably would have won me the game, I drew a thoughtsies, which is neither here nor there. Uh, but then on the turn after, where like maybe it it 
puts the game kind of like back to parity or me being slightly behind, I drew one of the two Black League Cliffs. Brutal. And I drew it. I immediately turned around and looked at Josh because I knew he was watching me. And he immediately started walking away. And I turned back to my opponent. He was very confused. He didn't know what was going on. And then I showed him. I was just like, you win. Let's go home. Yep. Uh, but uh, thing thing that I kind of forgot to mention about all this, like why I wanted to try for Pyro was one of the games I played in on Saturday was awesome. It was like really cool and so much fun and felt so good where like combat was happening. I had a Pyro. And then I was like, jump block your thing, undying it, peel two. And then that gave me some stuff to work with, but also like another undying effect. So then like the next turn I got to like block, undying, draw two again. And I was like converting these undyings that otherwise would have not really done anything. That's awesome. And like, I'm with you. Like, I I don't think you're crazy about the pyros at all. Um, My hesitation to like fully buying this side of the argument is like, I watched a good amount of Corey's games down the stretch and obviously he won a lot this weekend. So like shout out to him, just like monster, but like Babel was just the best card for him so often. And so often when the games like got past that scam phase, it was like who could resolve Fable the quickest. So for me, it's less about is Pyro good or not. And more about like, is, you know, is Fable cuttable and is playing less than four Fable a thing. And my head would jump to like, can we do both? Right. And like, what is the right number of these three drops to be playing? And is there a combination where like, you know, we can get to six or seven of them and, and cut the top end of our deck. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, I was playing both on both days, just in different numbers. Yeah. in different numbers. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, if you told me, you know, Pyro's good and we should put a couple of them in our deck, that's one thing. But then the second we start cutting fables for them, like to me, that's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at no point did I say fable was bad. Oh, yeah, and, I agree. I'm more just like, you know, his mirror matches. I think he made a joke at one point in the mirror where, like, they both, like, traded off scam stuff early and, like, the board was just empty and they both had, like, one card left. And Corey just joked. He said, well, let's see who draws Fable first. Sure. Right? Just immediately draws Fable and wins the game, which I laughed. And, like, yo, maybe Pyro in that circumstance is close to as good or better even. I don't know. But... Either way, I think it is close, and I think it is worth exploring. Yeah, I mean, it also is hilarious to me, like, pre-Pro Tour, like, everybody was just pyro over Fable, like, no questions asked either. And, like, in the, you know, in the spirit of these, like, hey, when people are doing things on these extreme levels, like, some amount of combination of them is probably better. Yeah. Right? And I would almost guarantee you that, like, in any opening hand or in, like, you know, the top 12 cards of your deck, you would almost always rather have one of each than two of either. Yeah, I mostly agree with that too. But I I did the four pyro thing not because I thought it was right, but because I wanted to just do stuff for science because, you know, what yeah. what else is there to do except experiment at that point? Yeah. So w- would you recommend it? Do you think there's something there that should be explored more? I would recommend that if you want like a, a fifth fable, absolutely try a pyro. And I don't think that like, two pyro three fable is that criminal i probably would not do four pyro two fable unless you had like a lot of reps with it in circumstances that were not super meaningful you know just like do it and try it out and see what you think but there were definitely instances for me where it was like the best possible card i could have had yeah lines up 
did you ever activate like the five man ability of it? No, but like there was there was a lot of weird extenuating circumstances. Like, a I didn't draw the card that often. Um, but do, do you think that's like a relevant part of it being good, or is that uh, just like an afterthought? I it, it's an added bonus. It's definitely not something I'm factoring into the calculus of like, is this card worth playing or not? Yeah. It's just like, oh, you get you get this random added thing where like if you run out of stuff to do, you can do this and this at least accomplishes something. Like you you know how good a dwarven mine can be against like a random Regavan or like Bowmaster or whatever, right? Like Yeah. Well that's because I have Archon to cast for eight mana, right? Whereas you know. But Yeah, but yeah, I'm just no, saying, like if the games are going long, they're getting kind of scrappy, you get a couple one ones, it doesn't seem like much, but it can have a pretty noticeable impact on things. Yeah, yeah, especially you get a bunch of chip damage in early or whatever, they're at six life or something, like it can matter. Yeah. Yeah, but like a lot of my games, I was under Core Sanctifier and stuff. Like that was it was definitely not going to happen there. I think for the most part, my my scam mirrors was like someone just like died very convincingly, and yeah. the games were never a complete slog. Um, yeah, but I'm, like I'm sure it does come up. Your experiences seem pretty extreme on the spectrum from this weekend in general, but uh, I mean, I guess I agree, but I don't know. Yeah. A lot of sanctifiers, a lot of hammer, like just putting a lot of weird spots. I guess that's what modern is, though. Yeah. Overall, I would say that my draws were not particularly great, and I was certainly scrapping a lot. Yeah. Um, What was Josh's perspective on Scam as somebody who's played a lot of Magic, but not a lot of Magic recently? Uh, Basically, that it's like a good deck with a very volatile high powered top end but like was the rest of it was like just a deck like a deck of good cards in a sea of good cards i think was there like any consideration to him playing beans or something different on after the first day or was he just like in on scam i mean i i told him that he could yeah. it just it seemed like scam would be better because we'll would probably just have like a better win rate in the dark you know yeah. but it's certainly a hard deck to play when you haven't played Magic for like six months. Yeah, and like, listen, I I think we've been over this too with the Beans deck of like it's not it's not actually the most difficult deck in the world, but like I don't know what the difference between zero reps and ten is, right? Yeah, I don't think you need a hundred, but I certainly wouldn't recommend zero. Yeah, like there are there are the lists that are doing pretty well on Moto that are like the Bloodbraid Fort to Fairy, uh one jace but no time warps like th- those decks are just like all four ofs and all pretty straightforward like I-, I think that that would be pretty easy to play yeah you'll probably deck yourself once or twice like n- i guess if you have the jace it's like a little bit easier yeah but um if there was like an rcq or there might be an rcq for you tomorrow effectively metaphorically um T- tomorrow well like what the next day the next magic day okay well is is scam like still in your like is that where you're jumping to? Uh I mean I haven't I haven't crossed anything off the list. Okay. So I have some things that I need to work through that I need to test. And basically like I thought Monday was gonna be my resting day. It turned out that Tuesday was also my resting day. And then also also just kind of poking around, I went on arena and saw that uh Ixalan set was out. So I'm I'm currently six two in a sealed. That was what I was doing while I was waiting for it to be podcast time. Yeah, I'm excited about it. 
I'm playing on jamming a bunch. My uh, my schedule the next 48 hours is pretty busy, but the uh, three or four days after that, I'm pretty open. So uh, definitely going to be jamming a bunch of drafts. Okay. Well, there was one other thing that I thought of that I believe was like maybe the first thing that I texted you, which was putting Saga in scam, which was yeah. the other thing that you can do once you get away from BB. This is the one that got me the most excited for whatever it's worth. But I told you I'm a sucker for putting Saga in literally any deck. So take it all with a grain of salt. Okay. So I I, I sent this list to a few people and there were, uh, let's say, mixed receptions. So tell me why this appeals to you from like just looking at it. Like So like my natural instinct with most decks is to always get a little bit more grindy and I'm a sucker for value. And... I think that Saga in a vacuum is a card that frequently gets referenced as being good against Scam. So maybe a hypothesis could be if we want to get an edge in the mirror. I don't know if Saga is good out of Scam against Scam, but Scam specifically struggles against Saga decks as a pattern. So maybe it's good there. I don't know. Hypothesis. Um and then it creates colorless creatures or whatever. We have a problem with Sanctifier. Could be some amount of resolution there. Um, but to me, it gives the deck a different angle and a different dynamic. Yeah. Uh, Saga itself, I think, just solos Sanctifier because not only if you want, you get like the two golems, but you can also just get Shadow Spear and like trample over and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and like Lifelink, win the race, whatever. You could also just have a direct thing to it like pirate spell bomb that just kills it yep but um, then, yeah, then you start chewing up a lot of slots in your deck and in your sideboard for like how many actual one mana artifacts do you want yeah the actual list i had did not have a pyrite yeah uh and that was like conscious choice but uh does include haywire might and the green splash instead of the white splash and that opens up some weirder stuff where you can play crime punishment as your explosives sort of thing. And I don't know if that's better or worse. Like there are additional things where like, oh, you could bring it in against like the beanstalk daxes, uh, back to nature kind of thing and just like kill all the beans. But I'm not sure how often that's going to come up where it's like, oh, they have three in play and they're not just like completely obliterating you, you know? Yeah, that doesn't seem like it type of game that I want to be trying to win. No, but you could also like do the white part of it too off of treasures and stuff. So I don't know. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll like at least try it and see. Yeah. My see instinct would be like the sagas are probably going to be better post board than pre board, but it also puts a weird tension on like doing things like blood moon, which I don't know how important it is, but obviously like putting blood moon in your Ursa saga deck doesn't really seem like a thing you're allowed to do. I agree with that. Uh, the mono red, like Obosh decks that did it on Moto typically had like Blast Zone in their sideboard to swap them for, but I'm not super interested in Blood Moon, I guess. Uh, there were certainly some Amulet pilots, but not a ton, and very, very few Tron pilots, one of which I did play against. But Yeah. I got a few messages in the Discord, and Ebes or Brian messaged me on the side that are our, our former creativity pushers and aficionados and i will say blood moon being at like a near all-time low is one of the few things that i think could introduce that deck being acceptable again and i say i say acceptable not good yeah i i mostly agree with that but it, 
I also still have issues with Archon being a respectable enough top end. Yeah, I agree. And like, I, I for whatever it's worth, I get that question the most of like, can we do other things? And my general thoughts there are like, if you're not doing Archon, it's probably not where you want to be. Yeah. Um, but Blood Moon's the card I lost to more with that deck than any other card by like a country mile. Okay. So, like I said, if there was like a single thing that had to happen in the format for that deck to be acceptable, like Archon being good is probably one of them, but Blood Moon being very low play rate is also one of them. Yeah, by the time I got keyed into the deck, I think we we're all we already had like Celestial Purge and stuff, and I knew enough about historically playing around Blood Moon that I was able to navigate those games pretty yeah. easily, I think. But you just don't always have the tools to, right? But yeah, when of you course. do yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's not like with other like four color decks where like you have to make a cost of like, do I fetch my basic early or do I get the land that lets me cast all my spells? Where right. it's like a give and take. Like it's like you have a planes, but like you only have four arid mesa. Yeah. So, like, you could just, like, not draw the land that even gives you the choice. But, regardless, I I think Brian's playing that in some RCQs or whatever, and if that's your jam and your thing, I think it's a, to- a place that's acceptable to be, but not somewhere I would ever recommend. Okay. I, I will say that I, I tried to travel light this weekend and only brought a few decks with me and kind of regretted that, mostly because, like, I don't know. I couldn't audible if I wanted to and I couldn't give like Josh other options. But then also when I started brewing, I was just like, oh God, I wish I had like my 12 card saga package with me kind of thing. But uh, that I, I think the saga one is the one that has the most potential, but I didn't want to rebuy all of those cards when I simply have them at home. Yeah. You know? but it like, seems like the most extreme. I would agree. Yeah, but like buying, you know, some a pathway and like Shatter Skull and Wear Terrors when I have all that, it's like that's not that big of a deal. It's fine. Yeah. But owning eight Urza Saga is not a place I want to be. Yeah, it doesn't seem very fruitful, especially when they're like the highest that they've ever been. Uh also this weekend uh basically found out that I could have a, a ride to the Apex thing if I wanted it. And so I'm in Richmond, which is like eastern side of Virginia, right? And Roanoke is almost like due west of me by like three hours. And then there are these cats that live in uh, Harrisonburg. I think it's Harrisonburg or Harrisburg. Pretty sure it's Harrisonburg, but whatever. That's like, I don't know, like a little bit north of Roanoke. And one of my friends is like, oh, you want to go to the the apex thing i was like you want to pick me up and he's like yeah and i was like nah man i was i was just kidding like i i actually don't want you to do that you know and he was like no nah, i'm just gonna be in richmond on thursday not out of my way at all yeah i'll just be there so, so like, oh, remind me again wh- which weekend is this this weekend oh well like three days from now yeah Okay. And what what is the structure of this? This is the like you can LCQ in and it's like the end of season championship or whatever. Yeah, it is it is their invitational, which is the culmination of all the random like five Ks and stuff that they've been hosting. It is a twenty K invitational where I think there's like forty or fifty people qualified. It's all modern, it's a pretty small field. Obviously the field is very strong. Um, but 
to, to LCQ in does not seem that difficult. And there are three LCQs on uh, between like Friday and Saturday. I think there's one on Friday, two on Saturday, two modern, one pioneer. The pioneer one is kind of weird because it's a modern tournament, but whatever. And then the championship is Sunday and that's it. Yep. What a weird structure, but awesome that they're doing this. And I desperately want you to go just for the sake of, I want to support this because it's awesome that they're doing it. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, my initial reaction was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then uh, when I was on my way home, I was talking to Gottlieb and now I think we're going to turn a weekend together and I kind of just need like a week off because this is, this is going to be like maybe, I don't know, six weeks in a row of me being gone. And I don't yeah, think I like that. some love, man. I know. So I might, I may still skip the apex thing. I don't know, but uh, we'll see how I feel tomorrow. I'll wake up. I'll take my meds. Uh, probably get into the feel of like playing some moto, play some saga scam, see how that plays out. If it ends up being like really, really good, then I'm, I'm certainly more amped up, more willing to go. But if it's like pretty mid, then maybe I'm just off it. Cause yeah. of like a great thing to. Are, are like, are we blood crypt gamers this weekend? Is that like our range? Well, I want to, I want to work through the, the ideas that I had. Whereas I think both the beans lists I have are good and they are like the best version of those that they can be at this moment. Whereas the scam stuff, there's just like a lot of stuff I'm still learning, a lot of stuff I'm still undecided on. And I got I got things that I got to test. Like none of this has even tried, like the iteration stuff and or shadow stuff. So Yeah, sure. Still blood crip range though, right? Well, I, I just have to figure that stuff out first. If the end result of me working on that is like my chance of winning in like a high scam metagame is probably higher with beans, then I would I'd play beans again. I don't know. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you were at a modern event or had to go to a modern event and scam and Omnath were things that you left at home or that friends had already stolen from you, <laughs> where, where's the next place your, your head's jumping? In, in terms of like cards I own or... No, like let's pretend you have the rest of the format minus those two decks, including overlap. And your goal is to win the tournament and that's it. Yeah, I would be down to Amulet. Uh, I would be down to Hammer in theory, but at least Amulet I have some reps with and like a pretty good understanding of the deck, whereas Hammer... Those are certainly two decks that are like an identity, right? There aren't people that just like pick those either of those two decks up, right? They are... And I I said that this weekend. It's like, those are lifestyles. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. They're absolutely lifestyles. Uh, so I think, I think those are good. I could, uh, I was working on like a really messed up version of rhinos. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, but I was considering that as a potential thing for a minute and there's, there's random people poking around with Merktide lately. I, I would assume that's not something that you would advise or recommend. I, I had such a bad experience in Columbus, man. It's just like underpowered. Yeah, I agree. Would not recommend, and I'm still shocked to see it poke its head in every once in a while. I think I think creativity is good. I love just like the first four turns, four or five turns of creativity, and then it's like you resolve your thing, and I'm I'm still praying that it's good enough, and it's just like that's not really where it's I want to be. It's not actually good enough too much. I'm with you there. Uh, there were three creativity decks in the tournament in Pittsburgh, 
One top eight on Sunday, right? Oh, I, I only have the 10K up the Saturday. Okay. There, there was one in one of the top eights. I think it was on Sunday. Okay. Like my other big struggle is like Ren and Six just isn't what it used to be. And I think that's yeah. like a pretty big hit against the creativity decks. Yep, definitely agree with that. But uh actually Yogg is a thing that I would I would want to I would actually be more inclined to work on Yogg before I worked on Hammer. So where do you think Yogg falls in the like lifestyle decks relative to like Hammer slash? It's it's kind of like weirdo creature combo. You yeah, know? but like, do you view Yogg players as that being a lifestyle or like? I, I think that style of deck, yes, but they have more options in, in terms of like, uh, oh, maybe Yogg is not it this week. They can swap to something that kind of like feels similar. Yeah, th- th- those weirdly, at least in my like local play area, are like that also fits the lifestyle theme. I life. feel like Yogg and Scales are the same kind of overlap. Yeah, I would agree. And both of those decks to me are decks that are like underplayed in the format for how good they are. Oh, dude. Let me tell you real quick about the time I played against Scales this weekend. Okay. Well, we played against Hammer five times and Scales once. Yeah. Oh, so cheap are... Now you <laughs> no see why I want to play Wear Tear. So <laughs> no wonder we had so much hate for this. Okay, keep going. So in game two... I believe I won game one. My opponent just had like a nothing draw. And then in game two, my opponent's kind of popping off and I'm just like waiting for uh, their saga to expire so that I can play this Hidetsugo Consumes All that I've had since my opener. I get the clean five for one or okay. five for zero even because <laughs> yeah. this thing eventually transformed uh, and hit them twice. But uh, I left them with uh, like a, a green source, like a Baseju or something. And, uh, I think a red green duel and no hand. And then I lost. Yeah. I knew something like that was coming. Cause I was like, this is not an interesting story. You just blew this person out. What happened? How do you possibly lose from there? My, my opponent drew blink moth. I was at like six and then they drew soul cauldron. And Yo, that card is messed up. My, uh, my, my, my dinger, my Hidetsugo thing exiled the graveyards. So I was like, oh, okay, this, this is still not bad or whatever. Uh, and then they drew, uh, I don't know, like something, something to put in the graveyard. Uh, they, they did just like zero to a hanger back or ballista or something and just like got the party started and I lost. Brutal. And then in game three, uh, they have like an Ozolith and are like maybe doing some Ravager stuff or whatever, but I mostly clean that stuff up and it ends with them putting four counters on their Ink Moth Nexus. So I'm just five like, times two is ten. Yeah, so they hit me for five. I'm just like, all right. And then uh, I took, took my draw step and it, it was a Terminate. So I was, I was feeling pretty good. And like attack them for a little bit, and then they they drew a welding jar and just like thought that they were money because I don't think I had them dead next turn. Uh, and then I just like picked up my hand to like make sure and like read the terminate because I was pretty sure it said can't be regenerated on it, you know. And I was just like, yep, sure enough. So then they they attack me, I terminate it, and they they like kind of like pump fake go to jar, and they're like, wait a second, yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I love it. And that was how I won that match. It was like skin of my teeth. Yeah. Funny. But yeah, the the Hitsugo five for zero died a, a top deck one one is just like good God. Yeah. It's magic these days, man. You gotta kill him. I was trying. Get him dead. I was doing my best. My yeah. very best. But. Yeah, it's hard. Scam scam needs something. I'd be I'd be way happier with Shadow in the deck, I think. But I don't know if that's actually good. It would just well, serve a lot of the needs that I have for the deck right now, which is not crappy Dothy Voidwalker. Yeah, my instinct is like on the Dothy topic quick is like it probably changes what your sideboard needs to look like by quite a bit. Because it's kind of a main deck sideboard card in a good amount of matchups. It is for sure. And I I kind of eyeballed my sideboard plans when yeah. I was like building my deck, but I didn't fully write it out or anything. So. Yeah, and I'm sure you did your homework or whatever. I would just expect that to take a few iterations to get tuned. Yeah, I'm certainly not saying that like my deck on Sunday was, you know, highly tuned or anything, but... Yeah. Oh, no, obviously. I'm just saying that like, you cut any other card from your main deck, like for something different like it, it's probably gonna have less of an impact on your like overall plan as that is yeah so like when when the deck added leyline of the void for the mirror i certainly felt less attached to the chalice of the voids because you didn't need them as much against living end because you already had like dothy and leyline in addition to the eight discard yep right but when you don't have Leyline or you don't have Dothy, suddenly Chalice like starts looking like more and more valuable, you know? Yeah. Uh, but when I had Dothy, I was fine cutting at least one of the Chalices and then considering cutting uh, a Chalice for like another Ratchet Bomb type thing. Makes sense. But I don't know. I wish there was more to explore here in modern in general, but I mean, there is a lot, but it's nothing super exciting, right? It's like, oh, you you got to actually dig into the nuance of stuff and like specific matchups. And then very often, whatever information you glean from that tends to just be made irrelevant by the next week or whatever. So it's like you spend, you spend a lot of work for like a specific weekend, but then you just kind of got to go back to the drawing board after that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the places you're trying to innovate, and again, this I'm just repeating stuff you just said, which is like you're trying to like very accurately predict the metagame and then like figure out how you can cheat against that. And like if you get it off by a little bit, like that stuff's not repeatable or sustainable. Right. And I was able to do that for Sunday. Uh, but for this Apex thing, it's like this is gonna be Wild West, man. I don't I'm not gonna try and do anything to inbred there because I have no idea what I'm going to play against. Well, for the LCQ, sure. I bet you that the L the Apex grinders that know all of the other people that are qualified are doing the opposite, where they have yeah. a very deep understanding of what each other's strengths are. Right, but I, I don't even know who's qualified. But, like, I'm sure if I saw that list, I could, you know... Like, I know some of the Apex regulars because they get put on camera and, like, talked about enough, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. My advice would be if you do make this trip, which is like one something I would I would love to see you make because you know gives me a horse and something fun to watch this weekend and it supports a tournament that seems fun. But like my advice would be to find somebody smart that's qualified for this that's done their homework 
and like befriend them and find ways to share information and pick their brain and not nah. actually reverse engineer the whole tournament. No, nah, that's grimy. I ain't doing that. No, nah, it's not grimy. I said, I said share information. You bring something to the table too. This ain't a one-way yeah, street. Yeah, and like, I could maybe justify it to them where it's like... Nah, dude. Dude, you told me this three weeks ago that your best skill is like, when you figure out what everybody else is going to do, you know how to beat it. So if you have somebody cued for that thing that knows what everybody else is going to do and they tell you, and then you help them figure out how to counter that thing, that's your skill. Yeah, so like, I'm confident in that, and I am confident that I could sell that, but... It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be able to deliver. And oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're just giving them a good chance, right? All of this stuff is speculative, right? So there's some amount of margin of error. But I'm just saying I was one of these people that was qualified. That is certainly something I would be interested in. Sure. But I just don't like being the salesman in any scenario because I, I just think it feels grimy. Oh, I would never try to convince them. Just offer. And if they say no, then don't. There's no, there's no manipulating or debating. Or selling. Well, it ain't snake oil, Jerry. I, it, dude, it feels like it the way with how nebulous it is. Yeah, know? that's fair. But regardless, if you go, keep us in the loop. No, I, I will for sure. I'm, I'm leaning no, but we'll see how I feel tomorrow. All right, and if you don't, then let's, uh, let's draft. Also down for that. So one or the other. If if I wake up and I still feel like I still need like another two days of sleep or whatever, then that is what I'm going to do. And that means I will probably just put modern on hold again. Yeah. <laughs> then you can draft and start playing Pioneer. <laughs> oh, this is... No, yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, This is kind of bad though, because like the Apex thing sort of worked out where like I could get my deck back from Mason Clark and then use that at Eternal Weekends. And I don't know how this works out if I don't go to actually collect my deck. But whatever. That's that's a problem for future Jerry. Well, I'll plant a seed for future Jerry of if you make the hypothetical Thanksgiving Boston trip. I have quite a few legacy cards. Ooh, okay, that's good. Then I'll just steal your stuff. You can double dip. As long as you don't give them to Mason after, we'll allow it. No, I won't. And that, that's what Garrison said to me, too, is like, don't Mason me. And it was just like, as soon as the tournament done, was done, I just like beeline to him. I put fresh sleeves on his deck. I asked him what his favorite kind of sleeves were. I bought him a pack, you know. Yeah. Touche. Uh, well, given that you have cards, because I was talking to Brian about this, too, and we we're trying to figure out what Brian should play, given that he has not paid attention. Uh, so I may I may grab some extra stuff from you if I can. Oh, I would I listen, I'm begging you to. I want my legacy cards to get used and played because I want to own legacy cards and I frankly I want to buy more legacy cards because I just like them. But like the only way I can justify it is if they get used. Yeah. No, so, I, like, I feel please you. Please take them. I feel you. Yeah. So I I have some stuff, but definitely not not everything. And certainly if I wanna play some some actual bullshit. Maybe you can help me out. Well, listen, I own a lot of blue dual lands, okay? I don't know. Okay. I don't own a lot of, you know, lands that tap for two mana. Okay. Yeah, that is mostly the the bullshit spectrum that I was talking about. I have the ancient tombs, but city traders are expensive as hell. Yeah. It's funny because those are cards I want to own but don't. Yeah. It's hard to justify that when it's 
Like you don't play Legacy that much to begin with, and when you do, it's very unlikely to be a City of Traders thing. Yeah. Gaius Cradle is another card that's high on my list of something I've always wanted to own but don't. And like, listen, in the Bowmaster world, I ain't doing that, right? But well, in the Bowmaster world, you're a Cradle deck plays Bowmaster. Yeah, that's that's not where I want to be though. Fair. Uh, I I did own Cradles at one point and have gotten rid of them all. So yeah, well, they're worth a zillion dollars right now. So I'm gonna check because I'm I'm curious. I was gonna my my eight hundred is the number I have in my head. Uh oh, well, for a while I had three foil ones. Yeah, we're not gonna go there. Let's see. Let's look at the foil one first. Judge promo, twenty four hundred and ninety five dollars and ninety four cents. Mother of God. Uh, Urza Saga seven eighty, pretty much on the money for you. Yeah. Yeah, so like you buy an elves deck, it's twenty six hundred dollars, and it's, and it's just all cradles, four cradles, <laughs> and then freaking seventy one commons. You know what though? Twenty tickets on Moto. So. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the Gold Border World Championship cradle is one hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, that's absurd. You're not even allowed to play with that. I don't even get what you would do with it. I mean, you could play it in Cube. You could play it in Canadian Highlander. Fair. You could play it in like some uh, back alley legacy tournaments, I'm sure. Yeah. Listen, or like pre modern. I'll have Leo draw you a Gaius Cradle. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that'll fly. Yeah. It, well, listen, if it's in Cube, it, it has to fly. True. Anything flies, right? So we'll have him draw you a picture. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot cheaper than getting one of these Matt Lindy cradles, let me tell you. Yeah. But. All right. All right well, Apex this weekend or drafts and, you know, leave uh, Boston for Thanksgiving on the table. Yeah, I got I got flights pulled up again. I was like, you know what? If I qualify, I'll have less of a reason to go to Boston. Nope. And then obviously you're I not coming here to RCQ. You're coming here to hang. And like the RCQ is like a side benefit. It it is a side benefit, but I felt like I could come to hang when you didn't have more pressing like family priority things going on. No, this is a low family priority weekend. I don't have work for four days, and my the baby is still in mama's belly. That is true. There is kind of a timer on that, huh? Yeah. So come now. Yeah, I went to visit my friends in Seattle before they had their kid. So that that does that does make sense, but yeah, you don't have to change any diapers, man. When they're in the belly, well, true. I I ain't changing any when it's out of the belly either. Just so you know, <laughs> yo, I can change a diaper so fast it would blow your mind. I believe it, man. Like quick to the draw, man. I is, I got that on lock. Is it I like the race? Is it like the respect for the crisp, clean magic mechanics that translates yes. to the parents? Yes. Too? Yes. And like, listen, there's some things that I'm not great at, like at helping with, but like, yo, I can put jammies and diapers on like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And mom negotiates, right? I'm just forceful. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you're not cooperating. It's tickle time. Like we're going. So that's me. That kind of rules, honestly. Yeah. Come see it. Come hang. Do it. I want to. I want to. All right. Game.
Good luck. <laughs>